Good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you all. That was Dr. Ellen Davis, who's a professor at Duke Divinity School, and um, I was had the great pleasure of getting to study with her, and um, she is, as you saw this morning, fantastic. Um, she's this little, like, five-foot-nothing Episcopal woman um, with that funny voice, as you see, but she is an amazing Old Testament scholar, and uh, she's a really gift. Wonderful gift. Uh, this morning we're going to talk about rest and um, what that looks like. Um, and this this is not the uh, Avatar set. This is the Garden of Creation, and we're going to talk about uh, God's role in creating and creation. Um, so would you join me now in our scripture? The scripture this morning is from Genesis 2. And a little background: God has just created the heavens and the earth. In days one through six, and we turn the page to chapter two, and we get to day seven. Uh, on day six, he's just created us male and female. Um, so join me in the scripture. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished in all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. This is the very word of God. Um, I want to take you back uh, to a bit of my history in the story on rest and how I learned a lot about this. I grew up, like many of y'all do, in this um, neighborhood and in this area and there's a lot of wonderful things about this community, but one of the things uh, that I experienced in growing up was uh, growing up in a very competitive, driven, kind of results-oriented environment. Uh, and that was something uh, that was present in a lot of what I did as a young person. And um, it, it, it was presented to me as kind of a normal reality in most environments I was in. And um, it... I embraced it. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I loved working hard. I loved striving. I loved uh, performing. I loved getting things done. And uh, you give me a good outline of what's required of me and when it's due, and I will do it at a very high level. And I grew up around that and really embraced it and lived into it. Um, did did well in a lot of different areas growing up and did well in high school, applied to um, to the college I wanted to go to at Wake Forest in North Carolina and got in early and um, went off to school. And uh, I was quickly met with a different level of expectation at school. And college felt to me like a time to really uh, prove myself at another level. And, um, and I took that on and I embraced that. And I sh- showed up and was focused and was ready and I worked hard. And I put a lot into it, and um, it was something that I quickly found out that I couldn't handle. Uh, on a trip home for fall break, uh, I broke down. Uh, at, sitting in front of my dad at our breakfast table, I, I you know, the concerns turned to tears, and I just said, I, I can't do all this. It's too, it's too much. Um, and we talked through what that looked like, and uh, where those burdens were coming from and what those expectations were. And we talked about ways to scale back and to cut back. Um, but it was something that I would later learn was tied a lot deeper than just to work and standards and expectations. It was tied a lot to 
to who I was and identity and things like that. And I'd love to uh, tell you that I figured it all out after that conversation and I went back to school and everything was peachy keen. Um, but it was a, it was a series of things over time. But um, the the Sabbath and different different parts and rhythms of rest were a big part of that, and a big part of putting healthy boundaries in my life around those expectations. Uh, we're going to talk about those this morning. But um, a few kind of comical things from my freshman year. Even after that conversation of breaking down, I. Um, I had 8 a.m. classes throughout my entire freshman year. I remember the first time I slept through one of them, and I kind of panicked. I went to see my professor apologizing. She was more calm about me missing class than I was. Um, I remember meeting with my English professor my first semester and talking through this paper, this large paper that was due at the end of the semester, and uh, he's asking me to kind of calm down about this assignment. <laughs> Um, I found that I was more, I was taking my education more seriously than my professors were. Um, and, and it was a sign that I needed to kind of tone things down and scale back. Um, but as I went on through life, I started to discover how much of this reality of rest that we're called to in our life and this striving is really called to a reality of identity. Um, and that's uh, the heart of what I want to talk about this morning uh, if you are someone that identifies with being on that treadmill of performance and achievement and having to always prove that it's enough and that you're enough, uh, I want to encourage you that these, this series on rest and on Sabbath could really be instrumental uh, in changing and transforming who you are because I, I found it to be uh, just key to this life of living as God's beloved children that we don't always have to be producing. So uh, three things I want to look at today. First of all, uh, Sabbath as part of our identity and what it means that Sabbath is core to who we are. Second, a shift in our focus from acquiring things um, to focusing on time and not even acquiring time, but learning to enjoy and honor the time that God has given us. And then third, finishing work, or as I like to say with the question, is, is this ever done? Do we ever get to finish? Do we ever get to get off the treadmill? Uh, and then this idea of a creation of rest as a, as a completion of creation. Uh, and then after that, I'll bring up some rhythms that I've found helpful for my life uh, for resting. So first and foremost, uh, Sabbath as a key to identity um, as you saw Dr. Davis say at the end of her talk, God is God and we are not. And this is going to be foundational to almost everything we do in life, who God is and who God says we are. And um, as many of you know, if you try and sit in his chair, it doesn't work very well. Um, there's a reality uh, that God, God is in charge of all this stuff and um, he has the ability to do that and he does that very well and we do not. Um, and in my experience, when I try and take up that role, it doesn't work well. Um, but this reality that Sabbath is key to that, um, one of the people, there's a fellow that we read around here, his name's Abraham Joshua Heschel, um, and there's a book he wrote on the Sabbath, uh, which I used extensively for this morning. He talks about how in Sabbath we rediscover who we are. 
Uh, and as you'll know, the scriptures, God is constantly reminding us. He's saying, remember, 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 remember who I am. Remember who you are. Remember what I have done for you. Remember who I say you are. One of the ways we regularly do that is by stopping every week and saying, all this stuff doesn't require me to keep it going. And that's part of the recognition of Sabbath. Uh, Dr. Davis said, Sabbath is not just a day. Sabbath is a whole set of practices. Sabbath is principle of human existence that you have to stop and regularly recognize that God is the creator of heaven and earth. And then later she says, you know, that God is God and you are not. It's a way in our lives of marking that reminder to say, you know what? I don't keep this whole thing going. And so I'm going to stop even if the work's not done. I'm going to stop and say, God is God and I am not, and we're going to move into that. So first and foremost, Sabbath is a recommendation. It's an identification and a marker of the reality that we are not God, that God is in charge and we are not. Second is this reality of a shift from a focus on acquisition, of acquiring things. We get into this mindset of our culture of what we have and even more so what we have, what we don't have of what we need and this striving and this straining and this yearning, that this next little thing will fill that hole inside of us and it will be just what we need. What the rabbis would say is that, that Sabbath is not rest to make us more efficient. This is not the day off or the time out of the game so when you get back onto the field you can perform better. This is not about performance. Rabbis would say six days a week, we live under the tyranny of things of space. On the Sabbath, we try to become attuned to holiness in time. It's a day on which we are called upon to share in what is eternal in time, to turn from the results of creation to the mystery of creation, from the world of creation to the creation of the world. It's this shift, it's this idea, it's this atmosphere, as they say. It's a way of being to recognize that God has set aside this day and made it holy. And set it aside as time, not for production, but for just being with him. Heschel calls the Sabbath a taste of eternity. A foretaste of the things to come. A practice of a future reality which God has prepared for us and is preparing us for here on this earth. That it's a weekly reminder that God has prepared us for time with him an uninterrupted time like we saw in the garden. And this is what's waiting for us. It's a way to turn the world on its head and say, no, I am not just a cog in this machine to produce things. I am here as a beloved child, and I will enter this rest of the reality of God's lordship of all things and recognize it. It's a way of living contrary to the society to recognize that we are not just here to produce, but we are also here to receive. It's an invitation to this shift from focusing on acquisition to resting in being. And third, it's a finishing of work. It's a completion of creation. And it's a recognition that it's not just when we finish our work that we get to take this break. That this is a time that happens. 
And folks talk about the Jewish culture as they hurry and ready and all the work they do to get ready for Sabbath. But that Sabbath doesn't come when all the work is done. Sabbath comes when the time comes because it's not about production. It's about a recognition of a different reality. So when we get to that time in the week, we've marked it off and we say, regardless of where I am in my work, it's now time to rest. So it's not a rest dependent on work. It's a rest that's independent of how much we've done. And then even more so, it's, it's a completion of creation. On the seventh day, the rabbis believe that God didn't just cease from work, that God was actually still creating. That as he creates all the heavens and the earth in days one through six, there's still something left uncreated in the universe. He's just said on day six, male and female, he created them, and he's recognized that it's good. And then on day seven, he creates this reality of rest. And he ascribes to it that it's holy. And then he says it is very good. And something shifts. And the rabbis believe that day seven, the creation of rest, was the completion of creation. This word manuha for rest, which Dinah told us a few weeks ago, relates to this reality of belonging. This identity of who we are as God's own people. It's a reminder That he has created all this, and because of that and his love for us, he invites us to rest. Also notice the timing of the seventh day. Mankind is created on the sixth day, and then on the seventh day, our first day of all creation is a full day of rest. So imagine this. We are created. God is there in the garden with us in the cool of the evening. Our first day with God. God, what are we doing here? He says, come enter into my rest. Be with me. This statement of being that we see throughout scriptures. As Heather prayed, this shalom, this wholeness, this connection with God that we see talked about. Think of John 15 when he talks about abiding in him as the vine. Think of John 17 when Jesus equates eternal life with just knowing him and being with him. This is this rest that God invites us to on our first day of existence. And it is the reality that anchors all creation. We come into the world as beings in rest with God, invited to rest before we have done anything else in creation. And he is saying, this is the way we show up in the world. This is the anchor of our existence and is the reference point of our reality. Resting in and with God. So what does this look like in our lives? Well, there's lots of different rhythms that scripture talks about. Different things that I have found to be very helpful in drawing these boundaries in our life. And I want to share a few of them with you. First and foremost, it's what we're doing right now. It's being part of a community of faith that meets regularly to worship God, to come together, to study his text, to pray, and to love on one another. In my experience, if we are not doing, when I am not doing these things, I can tell. Usually by about Wednesday, something is off in me and I can notice it. Being in weekly worship changes us. It is, it is an experience, an expression of the foretaste of what God has prepared for us in eternity. And it is a practice of how we can live out in the world. 
It is practicing the rhythm of rest. A weekly day off is a very practical way to live into this. A day when you cease from all labor. Remember, it's not just for efficiency. The rabbis would even talk about how we even cease thinking about work. How many of us power down our emails one day a week? How many of us, when we're sitting on the couch relaxing on the weekend, are browsing through what's going on at the office or replying quickly to emails? How much does that distract being present with our family? A weekly day off where we fully shut down is big. Most people naturally do this next one, uh, but I find it to be really healthy. Slowing down every evening. The Jewish people would start their day with rest. So when the sun goes down, it's actually the beginning of the day for, for the Jewish folks. What does it look like when you're slowing down in the evening? Are you powering down devices? Are you turning off the TV? For a lot of families, it starts with dinner at the table. How are we slowing down every evening? One of my favorite ones is taking daily time for prayer and reflection. So for me, this started with worship, uh, with prayer. It eventually got into journaling and then devotional study. And this is something that I do almost every day. If I don't do it, I can tell. It's a time that really reorients and focuses me. It's like a compass. Scripture recommends having a weekly time in some kind of a group. Some kind of a community of peers that's small enough where you can share what's going on in your life and they can share as well. And they can encourage you and hold you accountable. And a lot of times you'll read some book or have some scripture in front of you. In my life, this has been instrumental because we can't walk this journey alone. And then there's rhythms for breaks and walks and rest. In some of the study I did this week, I read about workplaces that have discovered these realities of the rhythms that God calls us to and how they're really healthy for us. So they'll encourage their people to take breaks during the day, take walks. You'll see sports complexes even on business campuses. They'll even have nap pods and things like that. How are you taking breaks during the day to refuel? I remember when we were kids and we'd stay home if we were sick. We always The one requirement we had to do, we always had to take a nap. And you find it's very refreshing and refueling. But practically, I'd invite you to look over your life, look over your schedule, look at how you are doing things, and listen to the feedback of your body. Listen, say, what are the times in the day when I'm tired? What are the times in the day that I need rest? How am I drawing healthy boundaries in my life? How can I implement some of these things? And just try a little bit at a time. One of the things we've been doing is asking people to just give a little more time every week to take a break and a rest. And we've gotten a lot of good feedback on how that is for folks. Dr. Davis talks, the first thing she said in that video, if you remember, she says, in order to, to enter into Sabbath, we have to stop. We have to slow down. We have to let go. We have to disengage, and we have to step back. And she talks about how radical of an idea this is to stop. Because it says that the whole of this world, of my world, doesn't hang on me. It hangs on God. That 
I can step back from these things and they'll still be okay. That I can step back from these things and I'll still be loved and cared for and provided. And while the Sabbath seems like a small thing, it's tied to a huge reality of the identity of who God is and who God says we are. So I want to encourage y'all to look at those areas in your life where you can start to practice that rest. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we bless you for the gift of your Sabbath, for the gift of your rest. Father, we thank you that you are Lord and you are King and you are Father and that you love us so much you'll let us take a break every week and just enjoy that eternal reality. Father, I pray for the people who feel like they're on the treadmill of life in this, that feel the need to get off and feel that they can't. And I thank you, Father, for the ways that you continue to nudge them back to you. So, Lord, let us take this time to be in this space and respond to you as our loving Father. We thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name.